And let's face it, the, the pressures of difficult situations causes a person to show their true colors. It exposes what's on the inside, the true heart of the individual. When push comes to shove, we might say, it will show our true colors. And what's going to come out? Is Christ going to come out? Are we going to be a witness for Christ? Or is the old man, the old woman going to come out? That which the Lord has redeemed us from. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Today we are in Romans chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 1 through 11. Having been justified, we're going to discover, and I, I tried to work the points of our message having been justified we're going to see in verses one and two we have been justified verses three through five because of god's love verses six through eight christ died for us and nine through eleven we have been reconciled i pray father that you would help us to understand the great benefits of the salvation that you have afforded us through the work of Jesus upon the cross. Lord, I pray that you would be with us if we discover that we are in trials and tribulations and things to be uh, in this world coming against us. Lord, help us to know that these things do truly work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purposes. So bless us, Lord, we pray as we look into your word. In the name of Jesus, Amen. And this hope does not disappoint, verse 5, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So we not only have God's Word, we not only have one another as believers in Jesus Christ, but Paul reminds us that we have the Holy Spirit, the love of God being poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. This hope is connected to the work of God in our lives. It's a living hope, as I said earlier, and the Holy Spirit being a part of our lives. A seal that he would write about in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, saying, in him, in Jesus, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession 
to the praise of his glory. The work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I know that we don't always understand the operation of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But the truth is, is that the Lord has given us this guarantee. He is the seal of our salvation. And God is working. God, the Holy Spirit, he is working in our lives. Sometimes we don't understand it. Sometimes we don't know why. Uh, We think maybe we conduct ourselves by instinct, by wisdom. And I would like to say that we conduct ourselves by the uh, nudging of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Yes, wisdom, reading through the Word, learning what the Word of God says. But sometimes we come against things that we're unsure of the course we should take. The Spirit is in us, the Spirit of promise. We have the seal of the Holy Spirit, the guarantee of our inheritance until we see the Lord face to face. But He helps us in this life uh, through tribulation, building perseverance, character, and hope in God. And amidst the stresses of this life, God's love teaches us how we are to live with this hope. Not I hope so, a hope of questioning whether something will be evidence or not, but it is a hope of a surety that one day we'll be with our Lord face to face. And it builds upon the fact that Christ died for us in verses 6 through 8. Remember, he began with the therefore, having been justified. Why were we justified? Not by our own works, but because Christ died for us. In verse 6, it says, When we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. We may have strength to work, to play, to cope with this fallen world that we live in, but no one has strength enough to save themselves from our inherent sin nature that Paul will begin to get into as we continue on next week in verse 12 and forward here in chapter 5. No one has strength to save themselves from that. The fall of Adam and Eve, the inherent sin nature that we have inherited and also the sins that we have each committed. Only Jesus can do that. And he says in due time, in the perfect time, after Adam and Eve sinned by the eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God began to unveil his plan. It's actually called the first gospel. In Genesis 3.15, where the Lord in cursing Satan said, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Speaking about that seed, speaking about the Messiah, the Christ child that would come. God's cursing of Satan. It includes this promised seed that one of her descendants, the Messiah, would one day ultimately fulfilled in Christ Jesus through his dying upon the cross. He dealt with sin once and for all in the perfect time, as he says here, in due time. In Galatians 4, 4 and 5, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. So everyone from Adam until Jesus Christ and his death upon the cross, their salvation was hinged upon the work of Christ 
They look forward to the coming Messiah. And everyone since Jesus has died and buried and rose again from the grave, we look back to the work, but it's still, it's all about Jesus. While we were still sinners, while we were without strength, he goes on in verse 7, for scarcely a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. Paul admits here in verse 7, it's not unheard of for someone to sacrifice their life for another. A husband or a wife perhaps might be willing to die to save their loved one. A parent might be willing to sacrifice their life to save a child, to step in danger and harm's way while saving their child. But rarer still are those cases where someone dies for another but it's not unheard of. The director of security for Morgan Stanley, Richard Rescorla, he was a stickler for the building's safety, held twice a year evacuation drills to help people to know how to get out of the building. When the 9-11 attacks happened in the tower next to Rescorla's was hit, he put his plan into action. He calmly instructed the people to leave right up to the moment that he was killed. They feel that Richard's sacrifice, his plan of action, may have saved up to 2,500 people that day. The Twin Towers, we, we all remember that 9-11 day. And we all watched from far away, but there with the planes in the towers themselves. Instead of running, this man stood his place. He sacrificed his life that 2,500 other people might live. So it's not unheard of. I was looking for examples of people who sacrificed for others, and I found four Navy chaplains, lieutenants, George Fox, Alexander Good, John Washington, and Clark Poling, chaplains of various faiths, stationed aboard uh, the ship, the Dorchester in 1943, when it was struck by a torpedo, the chaplains rallied together, began handing out life jackets, directing people to safety. When the life jackets ran out, they gave up their own life jackets, and when the ship went down, the four men had linked their arms, began singing. And it goes on to say, it's hard to know how many lives they saved. One of the survivors said, as I swam away, I looked back. And the flares that lighted everything, the bow of the ship came up high and she slid under. The last thing I saw was the four chaplains were up there praying for the safety of the men. They had done everything they could. I did not see them again. They themselves did not have a chance without their life jackets. We know of this in war. We know of this in life. And no doubt, if you're going to die for someone, it would be easier to die for a loved one, a righteous or a good person. But this is not the case in God's demonstration of his love toward us. It says in verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This demonstration, it, it means to show or to prove, to exhibit, to make known by action. The King James would say, God commendeth his own love toward us. But I looked up several different translations of how Romans 5.8 is translated in a number of different translations of our Bibles. It's our memory verse for this month. I don't want to confuse you. Stick with the New King James if you like. But the Holman Christian Standard Bible, God proves his own love toward us. The CEV, I'm not sure, I can't remember which one that is. Um, God showed how much he loved us, they said. The Amplified Bible, God shows and clearly proves his own love for us. The basic English Bible, God has made clear his love to us. Jesus not only died for the righteous or good people, but also sinners like you and me. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love toward us, which when we were dead in trespasses, has made us alive together in Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. In 1 John 4, verse 10, it says, In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. The greatest demonstration of God's love is seen through Jesus' work on the cross. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Then having been reconciled, verses 9 through 11, he says much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Now here in chapter 5, Paul has five much more uh, phrases that he gives up. This is the first of five. They're found, we'll get two of them this week and three next week. They're found in verses 9, 10, 15, 17, and 20. And the idea of the much more, of course, you understand, as he even says here, uh, because Christ died for us much more than as a result of God demonstrating his own love toward us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us much more than having been justified. He goes back to verse 1 again, where he said, therefore, having been justified. In verse 9, having been justified, because we have been justified by the blood of Jesus Christ, we shall also be saved from wrath through him speaks about God's future judgment upon this world. Because we have been justified, we are going to be saved from the wrath to come. This world will come under God's condemnation, but as believers in Jesus Christ, we're saved from that. We don't have to worry about it. It does not mean that we won't go through some stuff. He even said we would. We have tribulations, knowing that tribulations produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. We're going to go through stuff in this life, but the stuff that we go through in this life is not God's wrath. It's not God's judgment against us. We've been saved from that. Jesus said in John 
3.36, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides upon him. With Jesus, no wrath. Without Jesus, wrath. We've been saved from that much more. Jesus said again in John 5.24, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life, shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life, shall not come into judgment. So that hope that we have in God, it's not a, well, I hope so, not a hope of unsurety, but a hope of surety. We shall not come into judgment much more. And again, he says in verse 10, and if when we were enemies were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. We have been justified by the blood of Jesus, just as though we have never sinned. And we have been reconciled by the blood of Jesus. It, it means a change in relationship of attitude from enmity to peace. Remember, we stand in peace. We were once enemies of God, hostile toward God, but now we stand in peace. And having been justified and reconciled through Jesus' death on the cross, much more we shall be saved by his life. He's able to save to the uttermost. You know, we talk about the salvation of Jesus Christ, and we talk about something that happens as we accept Jesus Christ, that we are saved. But we also know that we don't see the full effect of that salvation until we see the Lord face to face. He is able to save because Hebrews 7.25 reminds us he's able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Don't you love it that Jesus is always praying, always making intercession. I know we have a prayer list. We have a email prayer chain here in the church and we send out those notices when need be. We can physically pray for one another, but Jesus always lives to make intercession for those who place their faith and trust in him. We shall be saved by his life. It speaks about the future works of the consummation we're talking about Vacation Bible School. Played one of the older songs from VBS a couple of years ago. And Lily and I, we were at the Creation Museum last Saturday, been there before. And we had done in the Vacation Bible School several years ago, we've done the answers in Genesis 7 C's. And we're going through the Creation Museum. And I said, Lily, this is so cool. They took a teaching of the seven seas and built a whole museum out of it. That's what it is. You walk through the museum, it is the seven seas from creation to consummation, which they state, I looked up that word from them, those who have repented and placed their faith in the finished work of Christ look forward to the consummation of all things in the future when the curse will be removed and God will provide a new heavens and new earth for his children. We look forward to being saved 
the much more, much more having been justified by His blood, we are saved from wrath to come. But much more again, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. So yes, we are saved right now. It is a position that we have in Christ Jesus. But one day we will see the full effects of that salvation when we see the Lord face to face. In verse 11, And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Not only that, we rejoice in God through Jesus Christ, having been justified, having been reconciled through the work of Jesus upon the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. Knowing that we shall be saved by the life of Jesus, we now rejoice. We rejoice in God through Jesus Christ, through whom we have received that reconciliation from God. We rejoice because our future is secure with God. Because the favor of God is toward those in this present life. Our future is secure in God, in the work of Jesus Christ. For those who have come to faith in Jesus through his death, burial, and resurrection, those who have believed and confessed their sins and received Christ, our future is secure. And therefore, we are to rejoice. Last night, Lily and the family, myself, were at uh, Toby Mac's Hit Deep Tour at the Allstate Arena, and there was a lot of people rejoicing. And I was thinking, just looking at the bouncing people worshiping God, I was not one of them. <laughs> My wife, granddaughter, and daughter were three of them. They're like, everybody raised their hand. Obviously, he hasn't had shoulder surgeries yet. <laughs> Young guy. All right, let's... No, I'm not saying we shouldn't do that, but there was joy there. I think we miss out on that rejoicing sometimes. I think that people miss it because they don't see the joy of the Lord, and I do wish that we would express it a little better uh, within our worship services, that we would lift our hands, that we would clap and, and clap well, and that we would express the joy of the Lord even in the circumstances of this life. We rejoice. Why? Because our future is secure with God. We rejoice because God's favor is toward us in this present life. First Peter 1, 8 and 9, Peter says, Though now you do not see Him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And of course, Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Though we were once enemies, we now rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Part of that rejoicing is just letting the joy of the Lord that's on the inside, let it out. Let it out every once in a while. Let people see it that they might be attracted to the things of Christ themselves. Let them see that under tribulation there is perseverance. Under perseverance there is character, and under character there is hope. 
But it's all because we have been justified. It's all because we have been reconciled. It's all because of the work of Jesus Christ. It's all because of while we were yet sinners, God demonstrates his own love toward us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you, Lord, for your word and for what it teaches us. And I pray, Father, that we would have hearts of rejoicing. And that, Lord, we would let it out. We'd let people see the joy of the Lord in our hearts, in our souls. We thank you now, Lord, for this time that we wait upon you. We ask, Father, that you would just be with us now and fill our hearts with your joy, with your rejoicing. Lord, let us have thankful hearts for the things that you've already done, for the position that we stand in Christ Jesus. Let us have thankful hearts knowing that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ always lives to make intercession for us. Let us have thankful hearts, hopeful hearts, Lord. Rejoice in hope, knowing, Lord, that our future is secure with you. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may the Lord richly bless you as you worship him today.